0: I don't know. This song's got a little bit of that uh, ticking clock feel to it, right? See, the thing thing with trying to find these intro songs for the podcast is you've got to find, you know, something that sounds good. It's on the internet, and it's within our company budget here, which is free. So the free part is really tricky, but I don't know. We're going to keep trying. We're going to keep looking for new sound, new intro music until we find it, and that's what we're all about here at the f1 funcast you tell us what's working and what's not working and we're going to keep changing it until you get what you want so i'm very excited about this week's episode we uh we talked a lot about what's shaping up to be a battle at red bull and after qualifying it certainly seems to be more of a battle than uh, we could have predicted and i'm really excited excited about this episode excited you joined us If you ever want to give us suggestions on audio to change, send us tracks we can use, ask us questions, give us feedback. It's always at f one Funcast at Gmail, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch. It's just going to keep that list keeps getting longer and longer. Eventually, we'll just have to say wherever you find people out there in the world. But thanks for joining in. Thanks for being a part of this community and uh, had a lot of fun with this one had a lot of fun but uh yeah thank you for uh thank you for checking it out and uh without further ado I'll uh let's play that uh let's play that podcast play that funky podcast <coughs> welcome back everyone to the F1 Funcast I'm James this is Connor we've got a lot to catch up about it's been a little while so why don't we get right on into it today Connor, it's been a long time since we've talked, about a week. We've had a grand it has, it
1: has been a long time, and, you know, it's it's tough to coordinate things because, I mean, we live on opposite sides of the country, quite literally, so it's sometimes pretty difficult to it's true. coordinate this is,
0: timing. This is one of those weekends where I know we were not watching anything at the same time, so I felt like I wasn't even talking to you about it as it was happening. You know, like, I knew yeah. you watched the hours before I even tuned in, and, you know, it's just different different times in the middle of the night, but hopefully this week in Miami and back on U.S. soil, it'll feel a little more normal. We'll be able to watch Oh, Miami. yeah, absolutely it will. So uh, what did you think? What did you think of uh, Azerbaijan? And mostly, you know, the race was the race, and we all know how the results went, but how did you feel about that that sprint setup on uh, Saturday?
1: I'm not sold on it, to be honest. I, I still, I think I prefer the older setup. Um, I... I think, like I've stated before, I understand why they were trying to change it up, but I think it didn't really make a difference. And to be honest, I don't know if the current state of Formula 1 is helping or making it worse. Um, With the cars not really being able to pass, they shortened the DRS zones, so there's a little bit less passing in the DRS zones, too.
0: Um, Right, right. I I agree. I I thought, heading into it, I thought it was going to make for a really exciting Saturday. Where anything I, I did happen. too, and I was I was really open to it, and I wanted it to I wanted it to be good. Like
1: it's one of those things where they're trying something new, and you're like, "All right, I want this to succeed. I want something good to come out of this," and it didn't really do anything.
0: No, it was it was pretty anticlimactic, and it felt like if you were a team and not a top ten team, what are you? What was even the point of the day for you? Yeah. there's nothing to race it, for. It,
1: if if you weren't if you weren't in the top eight, you. It's almost like they shouldn't have even been on the track. I. It's almost to the point where I wonder if they could make it... Um, I, I saw a suggestion online about doing heats, like a heat races. Um, or I don't know exactly how they'd set it up. But you got to make it so that every car has a chance for some kind of points. So that right. anybody that's not in the top eight actually wants to race and they're not just sitting there like oh why why are we
0: even doing this this is a waste of time why even put our car at risk or a driver at risk or be out there in the or,
1: I, or i don't know maybe have just the top 10 do a race or something like that i don't i don't know but i think some.
0: Something- have you heard the idea of a reverse qualifying grid so yes i have seen that that's something i like but then i just wonder if it'll be two laps until we're back to normal order again you know if
1: well i think it would definitely it would definitely shake things up a lot i mean we saw last year with max in spa i mean he was at the back of the grid and he ended up i think he ended up winning that race but he was absolutely flying um but i think it would be pretty interesting to have all the like the top few teams at the back of the grid is kind of just see how that shuffles out
0: and and i think it would give them you know more incentive to race hard and to to drive hard absolutely you don't want to be the one that falls the farthest if you're starting in 18th or 19th you're gonna finish in 18th 19th you know somewhere in there but if you start third and you don't want to fall out of the top 10 you're gonna go a lot harder the whole day yeah
1: it, it's it's going to make the top teams fight harder to get up the pack and it's going to make the midfield teams that are usually at the back anyways they're going to be fighting even harder to keep those points that they
0: can get i mean i think it's a fairy tale idea but from all the things i've heard i think that sounds at least you know I think interesting that with the way
1: that the drivers even received um the sprint format for this past weekend in Baku is that I think even they weren't really thrilled about it. I think that they're open to some kind of a change as well. And I, and again, I think it kind of goes hand in hand with just the way that these cars are now. And they aren't really living up to the hype as far as allowing more passing. I think a lot of that has to do with they've raised the floor up what like fifteen millimeters from last year because of the porpoising, um, right, to right. try and eliminate that. And in doing so, it made it so that teams focused more on getting a little bit more out of um, the stuff, the aero surfaces that are on top of the car, on the bodywork. And it's creating more dirty air, and it's kind of having a negative effect on what these regulations are supposed to
0: do right which we saw at the start of last year or the year before how close the racing was and how how tight it was now you can't it seems like you you can't get anywhere near you know the whole the whole race in Baku was seeing if Hamilton could get close to Alonso or Russell could get close to I think it was Stroll but they they couldn't even you know anytime they were within DRS then you get back up to a second and a half two seconds and it just seems really hard to be on anybody's scale the, the whole race
1: it also it also seems that the tires are not really helping. The tires are overheating way too easily this year, um, which is also goes hand in hand with cars not being able to follow as closely for as long. Right. Um, and I mean, it's just I think they showed one shot in the Grand Prix on Sunday where the two Red Bulls are like, it looks like they're a mile ahead on the. Fr-
0: Right, they're, I remember they're, that. They're,
1: they're starting to they're starting to break into the first turn, and, and I think it was Leclerc that's like just coming into view.
0: Right, just it's going, like, just coming oh up over God. the hill. There's no way. There's no way you could get close. Like they were running their own race or on a different track or something. Yeah, and oh yeah, I think it's it's a lot more of that. I'm
1: uh, I'm, I'm happy for Perez though. I'm happy for Pres and taking the fight to Verstappen, even if it's just for this one race. I think it's fantastic that. Well, um, it's
0: he's... Gr- it's great for everybody. It's great for fans of the sport, Absolutely. you know. And I think it's good for in the end, it, it's good for Max too to uh, have someone pushing him and have someone making yep. it so it's not just a cakewalk all the way to the championship, you know.
1: I think what this year could shape up to be is kind of reminiscent of what 2016 was between the two Mercedes drivers with Hamilton and Rosberg, where they, the previous two years, Hamilton wins the championship. It was not very close really either year. It was, you know, it was close, but it wasn't tight. Um, but 2016 was like back and forth, back and forth the entire year, just between those two drivers. And it came down to the last race. And it was phenomenal. It, was, it actually made you kind of forget the fact that Mercedes was just running away with every race
0: right. Um, it, it makes for like uh, at least there's some title chase going on at the top and then you can, oh, yeah. you can watch the midfield because yeah.
1: And there was a lot there's a lot of clashes between the two of them too throughout the season. It was It made for a really, really good um, season as far as from a viewership perspective.
0: I think we could see that a little bit of that, at least uh, personality-wise, with Red Bull. I and hope so. Perez and Verstappen seem to be, you know, Perez wants his respect and he deserves his respect, but Max is uh, yep. the reigning and defending, and, and the, you know, he, he's also
1: he's also Red Bull's like the class, the teacher's pet almost. You know, he's right. he's Horner's favorite driver. He's been with the program for years now, so and he, signed he has a reason for, to have.
0: Yeah, yeah, he signed with them through 2028 as well. So it's like, yeah, you, even though you're my teammate, this is my this is my yard, and you're trying to come in here. And it, I, I think that could be. Now, do you think on the racing side of things, there's an opportunity for Perez to make it interesting, or do you think it's more of a? Let's see how long they can keep this close. Type of thing before. I think
1: it's more how long they can keep it close because I think unless Perez can minimize the weekends where Max just absolutely blows everybody out of the water, and if if Perez can't stay on pace with Verstappen at the majority of these races, then obviously he's not going to win this championship. But I think that if he can show that pace, if he can find that extra gear. And get on pace with Verstappen at a bigger track that's not a street track, then I think that's something that we could look into a bit.
0: Now so that's I guess that's what it is, is there's not enough street tracks really on the you know, in the season to Thankfully. Right. Right. <laughs> now Miami's a street track, right? This weekend? This is yeah, a, it's, another street. Well
1: technically it's a parking lot. So <laughs> is it really is that what it is down there? Yeah, by? it's 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 built in the it's in the parking lot of Hard Rock Stadium where uh the Dolphins
0: play. Oh, okay, that's right. I saw a lot of Dolphin stuff. I thought maybe they were just kind of uh, sponsoring the weekend, but I didn't realize it was right in the uh, right in the stadium. That's that's the, uh, the
1: the the paddock area where all the teams' trailers and stuff like that are are actually in the stadium on the field. I think one of the F one accounts posted a picture of it. I'm like, man, it must be so hot on that field because I know all the stories from all the NFL games that are played there, where all the teams complain about how just hot it gets on that playing field.
0: And that's in, and I think I I, I
1: think I heard one of the commentators say something about it in FP one, saying that they were in there. The day before, and it was, they were cooking.
0: Well, I just saw, uh, before we started talking, I just saw Williams Racing posted a picture of Logan Sargent looking like he was just melting getting out of his car. Like, I mean, these aren't big. Oh, I'm sure it's hot. Yeah, and it it just looks like everything is, like, just melting off of him and, uh. I I imagine the dehydration over the weekend is a major concern for those guys down there, you know, because it's not just a one day thing or an air, you know, temperature controlled. You're spending four days, three days in those cars at those temperatures. That's uh... I
1: can I can imagine this race because of the humidity levels in Florida and how hot it can get during the day. I can imagine this race being a lot like it is in Singapore, where it's a very physically demanding. Race weekend and race in general because I mean, it's just so hot and so humid,
0: right, right. yeah, Miami is uh, if if you're listening and you haven't been to Miami, it is you get off the plane and you know it's it's tropical. It's basically, you know, I know it's not technically a tropical climate, but it is always just like you're breathing in water. It's so humid and it's it's I can't imagine trying to drive a car. Or do anything in that heat for a couple hours, two, three, four hours at a time. It's it's crazy. I
1: I I feel I feel bad for the Mercedes guys. They're wearing all black fire suits in an all black car that that thing must get pretty hot.
0: Right. So do you think that could play a factor into car performance this weekend? Could you see you know, is that is it more likely that we could see car issues? just because of the heat and the the stress it's going to put on the vehicles or do you think these teams are so prepared that that's not something that could you know because overheating is a thing with any car and if you've got these conditions I mean we're looking for ways to make the championship interesting could a Red Bull overheat at the front and you know is that what we're looking for because otherwise I feel like we're looking at another Baku with Red Bull you know running their own race and then Two through five or six, kind or three through six, kind of bunching up. Yeah, but. well,
1: different different cars work better in different climates. Like I think a few years ago, the the Ferrari performed really well when it was hot, and or the the Mercedes didn't perform well in a hotter climate when it was hot out. The Mercedes lacked performance, um, whereas everywhere else it was almost bullet curve. Um, and I think you kind of thing here as far as each team has strength, each car has strength, the way that the cooling is packaged, um, all the radiators and stuff like that, the whole cooling package of the car, um, how much airflow gets through there. If it's tightly packaged, then you had, you're going to see a lot of teams opening up like uh, louvers on the top of the bodywork to get some of that heat out of there. Huh. Um, right. But if their cooling package is fine, then you're not going to see stuff like that it just it all comes down to the kind of package that uh each team brings to the table
0: That's interesting and you know the way it is in southern florida too i mean you could have a pop-up thunderstorm in the middle of this race or in the middle of qualifying that changes everything you know over
1: well they're they're talking about rain on sunday so i think i think i think it's on the forecast they were talking about in fp1 that there's rain potentially in the forecast
0: that's the ultimate equalizer, right? I mean, that it is, especially especially if it happens mid race or you know, kind of a flash storm or something. That's totally see. That's that's what I really enjoy, and even even in Baku, I really enjoy these these split second decisions that these teams have to make because of changing circumstance. You know, like everyone was talking about oh, yeah. Max's pit stop because of the safety car, and it. You think these guys are just driving around, but it's a whole team of people monitoring every contingency, everything that could happen on the track with the weather, with the other cars. I can't, you know, it's, it's really fun to, to watch. And, like, I would love to be a part of that decision-making in real time or to watch them do that to decide when to go to these tires. Is it going to rain? Who's going to make the call? You know, it's just. I,
1: I, love, I love seeing all the people online after these races when something, like some bad strategy call happens and they say, oh, I could have made a better strategy call. But they don't understand the mountain of data and information that you have to go through and it you have to be so precise about where you when you pull somebody into the pits so you don't let them back out into a group of cars they're in you want them to be in cleaner so you're looking for that gap and it's just all sorts of other things that come into play it's gotcha. it's not not a simple game to play
0: Right. Right. And those are happening in split seconds, too. They're not. It's not like Absolutely. you can take your time and think about it for a while. You've got, you know, seconds to to make that call, which is fascinating. So. So what do you think? What What do you see um, going on in Miami? I know you're watching FP2 right now. And um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got it. I've got it on uh, mute in the background
1: here. I'm trying to catch up a little bit. I've had a, I've had a long day. <laughs>
0: No, I know, I know, and it's it's these two races came so quick back to back after having a um, it's fantastic a break though, isn't like it? that. It is. It's like too much of a good thing all of a sudden. Like I, I, it's a breath of fresh air. I know. Well, those cars could get a breath of fresh air. That would be nice down there. But um, what do you, what do you see? What Miami to me is kind of an interesting track itself. And it, really, I only say this from playing the Formula One video games, but you do get a feel for the <laughs> course, and it's got some. You got some hills to climb and you got some long straights, but it's just, I don't know. I don't remember the race last year too well. Do you remember how that one played out? Was that just a, the Red Bull domination? Um, well, f- you have to remember last year had a much more,
1: com- Ferrari had a much oh. more competitive car last year.
0: That's right. Um, That's right.
1: As, at the start of the season, anyways. I was say. Um, <laughs> but Le- 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 Leclerc was in the lead for a majority of that race before Verstappen. Um, reeled him in and then he was off into the sunset. But I think it was Verstappen, McClaire, I forget who was in third, but, um, yeah, it was, it was a decent race. I enjoyed it. Yep. I think that this year is going to be a little bit more interesting. I just don't want a Red Bull to run away with it. I know that they have the race pace currently, I think they probably will for a while. Um, I think Ferrari's catching up to them as far as one-lap pace. Um,
0: sure. Which you're about but to see. I don't see in... know
1: if anybody's going to be able to catch them in race pace.
0: And so, w- with that pace, I-, I know they have the, uh, from last year, the cost cap and the-, the wind tunnel reduction in time and stuff. Is that is there any way by the end of the season you think that could eat into this pace and you could see Ferrari... You know, cut into that or do you think it's just so superior at this point I
1: think if we're going to see anybody catching up the Red Bull by the time the this year is ending I think it's only going to be because Red Bull is taking their foot off the gas and they're now putting all of their effort into next year's car or they're going to start you're going to start seeing bits um, and upgrades being put onto the Red Bull that are only going to be for next year's car and they're trying to get a jump start on that um I don't know how much of an effect it's gonna have. I'd like to say that it will have some effect but i do, i' do, i don't know
0: they're so far ahead they're so far ahead and what a what an advantage it it is too to be able to almost already pivot to next year when teams are still bringing up grades oh, yeah. now and you can turn around and Take your championship-performing car from this year and already be working on next year's improvements. That's that's
1: if if they if they continue at this pace, I'd say probably by the summer break they'll start taking a look at next year's car and start moving that direction and not really focusing on bringing upgrades to the current
0: one. That's crazy. That's that's. I mean, and good for them. It's
1: nuts to think about.
0: You put yourself in that type of position, you know. It's it's jeez. Yeah. So there's there's hard hard work pays off, right? That's right. And some would say, um, hard work and flexibility with rules and um, you know the patriot way a little bit. Just find (laughs) the patriot way. Yes. Finding an edge wherever you can. Um, But you know they they've taken their medicine this year and they they've got to deal with those those penalties and they uh, it hasn't slowed them down one bit. So. No, not at all.
1: If anything, I think this the raising of the floor given them more of an advantage. It's it's to have hurt everybody except for Red Bull.
0: Really. So you think okay, that's interesting. So you think even the floor raise is just another example of something where they they were just ahead. They were ahead of the curve. Maybe Well, me- I
1: I think I think they already had they already had the best car last year. Before these rules were done up, but I think that, I mean, Ferrari was better in high speed, medium speed corners, um, and they might still be at least the best, if not close to it, uh, this year. But
0: I think I, I think they I were. If... I think I saw something that was pointing that out. How Ferrari has maintained that edge on those corners. Well, that's that's good. Yeah, that's good and and you're watching FP2 right now and they they do really well it ends up being uh max and then i think carlos signs and then leclerc and then Perez. so uh red bull two ferraris and a red bull which you know i mean compared to last weekend although charles I was
1: so i was so happy for leclerc to be on the podium last last weekend he deserved it yeah
0: you know and so i guess that's that's what i was thinking about checo when we were talking about it before and it, Kind of came in and out of my thought, but if he wants to stay in this title race, he cannot fall off that podium all year long, right? He he
1: can't. Even... He, can't he can't make another mistake like he did in Australia.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because Max isn't making those mistakes, and and nope. Yeah, so the the room for the room for error is just is tiny. But again, I mean, then but, again, but to, but to think that
1: Checo is what six or seven points behind Max six, in the championship Just, and yeah. he fin- he's the only one of them who finished off the podium I mean, he only finished fourth um they each have what two three wins i, I, th- I
0: think, I think checko has
1: check yeah checko has two max has two um so i mean it really only came down to checko being off the podium for it to be that big of a gap.
0: <laughs> and right. I see that big of a
1: gap only being six points, but, I mean, still.
0: So he's hoping for, I mean, so behind the scenes, is he quietly at night when he's saying his prayers, is he hoping for Max to have a very safe, no injuries, but have a very safe uh, turn off in one of these races in DNF and kind of uh, have a couple mechanical issues? Do you think in his heart-of-heart heart surgery... I've- you know
1: i think yeah i mean as a competitor from a competitor's standpoint i think it would be dumb to think that you're not hoping for something like that um i think that any competitor is always not just hoping for their best performance out of themselves but hoping that their closest rival has something happen right it doesn't have to be something major but something that gives them more of an edge
0: and he must know he must know In particular, that he would need some help from the racing gods to get in front of him. So, what is the dynamic with you know with the team with you know Horner and Verstappen and Perez or or like you were saying back when it was uh, Rosberg and Hamilton and how does the team usually choose to handle that? Are you racing on your own or is it said to you before the season starts? Look, you're we want max number one your support or is it you know you have how do you think or is it It kind of it it kind of plays out during the season like at the start of
1: the season the teams don't really want you fighting so hard between the two of you only because you know they're looking for constructors championship points too and if you both crash into each (laughs) other both cars go out you you don't get any points right so
0: it's it's tough um you think it's up to the team, though. Every team handles a situation like that differently. Um, you know, like I, I feel like, like we said, like Red Bull really is. Everyone knows that's Max's team. Yes.
1: Oh yeah. So, I, I think I, I I think everybody does handle it differently. It's just that like when you have like Hamilton and Rosberg, they were going at it and going at it, going at it. But as they got further in the championship, they could they were free to just race. Um, whereas. You know, I think Weber and Vettel back in 2012 uh, look into Malaysia of that year and the multi-21 incident. Um, right. That was that was a, a flashpoint for sure. Um, for anybody who doesn't know that, um, Malaysia in 2012, Vettel and Weber were pretty close in the championship, I, I think, at that point. Or, you know there was some wiggle room there and Weber was leading and Vettel was in second and Vettel was catching up to him. And so Christian Horner said multi 21, which is basically saying, stay in your current positions. Don't fight. Um, And they were supposed to come home one and two Weber taking the win, but Vettel was like, Nope, not having that. And he took the fight right to Weber uh, he ended up passing and getting the win and Weber was not happy about it.
0: Oh wow. Wow. So just So
1: I th- I think that I think that we could start seeing some stuff like that
0: maybe. I would love it. Um, I'd love to see it. I
1: would I would too. I would love to see some kind of a rivalry. It's just I don't know if Horner's gonna take sides because I know he's Max is like Max is his boy. So I I can I can understand why he would be more on Uh, Verstappen's side, but I would like to see them, see he and Checo have a nice, fair, even fight right to the end. Well,
0: and speaking of even fights right to the end, I'm getting into this little group of cars from McLaren down to, I believe it's Alfa Romeo, I think it's McLaren, Alpine, Alfa Romeo, and Haas. Are all within. I love
1: the midfield. Oh, they're all within the like midfield. Five of this points. year is
0: fantastic. It's great, and like that's where really the action is going to be the rest of the year, isn't it? It's going to be those oh, teams, yeah. and that means everything for them. I mean, as much as a world championship means for the top of the field, it seems like you know these teams they really want to beat each other every single week. You know, for a team like they Haas do. and McLaren, they seem to have a little thing going on. It's
1: it, but it's it's so important for these little teams because these smaller teams they don't have the kind of you know, obviously, everybody has the same kind of a budget now, um, with the cost cap stuff. Right. But when you think about it, the revenue is different when you're a smaller team, and creating that revenue is different. So every point matters because if you're higher up in the championship, you get a little bit more money to spend, and so you know you don't want to be at the bottom all the time. You want to be making as much progress as you can, but at the same time, all those other what seven, six, seven teams are all doing the same thing, so it gets tight. I think I, I think I saw something earlier today where it was like, yeah, we already know who's winning the constructors' championship, and then it's going to be between, um, Aston, who's kind of fell off the last race. I'm not going to lie, they yeah. didn't have a great performance. Um, it's going to be between them. Ferrari and Mercedes for the second best of, like, the best of the rest, pretty much, for a second place in the championship. And then the midfield is going to be f- a fantastic fight, I think, hopefully all the way until the end of the season.
0: I, I think so. I think in, um, I have to say, in that second group, I'm starting to think Ferrari is going to pull away from both Aston Martin and Mercedes. Uh, I think so, too. I feel like Mercedes is just, they can't get around their, their bad design. They can't, you know, upgrade around it. And Aston Martin, like you said, they're taking a step back. Well, I think Ferrari's moving in the right direction. I think they're kind of working yep. out some of the bugs from last year and all the new, you know, just the pieces are finally in place. And it does seem... I'm, Go ahead, sorry.
1: I'm kind of wondering... No, it's okay. all good. All good, man. Hmm. Um, I'm kind of wondering if Ferrari's kind of started to get feel like they've gotten more on top of the power unit issues they've been having and they've been allowing themselves to open up the power a little bit more um and getting more and more power from those from those engines because i remember that being an issue last year where the start of the season they had by far the best uh, power unit and they were the fastest car and then they started having their issues and they dial the power back and they were like in the off season they were like alright this is priority number one we're going to fix reliability and then after that we're good to go and then first race Leclerc has an issue <laughs> after all that talk and it's like oh boy here we go again and I think now they've started to understand maybe what's been going on with it and now that they have that understanding they, they're allowing themselves to open that engine up a little bit more and get some more power out of it and and I'm not saying they're going to be closing the gap to Red Bull, but they're going to be distancing themselves from Mercedes and Aston.
0: I agree with that, and it's it must be every time they open it up, though, it's still got to be a hold your breath moment and just hope that you know. Oh, absolutely! It it's uh, frightening, you know, because that was their doom last year. That was really kind of set the tone for the whole season. Was this uh, every time things were going right, they they just in a in an instant they went wrong for Ferrari, and it's a shame because they're. They do seem to have the best team to maybe challenge Red Bull in the near, you know, next two years maybe. But uh, well, we've been
1: we've been saying that since like <laughs> 2017 when they were second place in Mercedes, 17, 18, could have been, well, 19 as well, should have been. And then they fell off a couple of years because of their engine legality issues. And then the past two years, they've been
0: okay. Right there. So, yeah, I don't know. I wanted to get better. The other thing I was going to ask you about was um there's no what I, what I've noticed and I kind of like is there's no mechanism in Formula 1 for, you know, like in the NBA or the NA, NFL, the worst team gets the first draft pick. You know, I mean, I know you get a little yeah. bit more, you get a little more wind tunnel time, you get a little but there's no like incentive to um incentive to tank for anybody, right? There's no Nope. You're on your own, You're, you sink or swim without any, you know, there's no draft pick, there's no There's no golden ticket at the end of the year to do poorly, which is what I think will make that midfield battle so fun through the end of the year, because they're competing for wins instead of competing for a potential player next year, which we see a lot in American sports, which can kind of ruin things near the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It should be interesting, it should be interesting there. And so, we've talked Baku, we've talked Miami, we've talked Red Bull and Max Verstappen a little bit. I would be remiss if I didn't bring up to you, did you see Brad Pitt's going to be in a Formula Formula? I, yes. I think he's going to be in a Formula I did. 2 car. I did but. see
1: that. He's, yeah, He's I read about it earlier. He's a, it's a modified Formula 2 car that Mercedes is helping them develop. Um, and he's going to be doing, I don't know if he himself is going to be doing runs in it in between like practice sessions and stuff like that to get on track footage. Um,
0: uh-huh. is, I mean, this... but I
1: think it, I think it'll be cool when, we're going to have to take a look at that when they get the silverstone, because that's when they're f- going to be doing it for the first time. But they're going to be doing it every race from there on. When the news for, um, when the
0: news first broke, people online were saying that he was entering as an eleventh team, and he was actually going to be racing on yep. track. And like, you know, you look into it, and it's like, okay, it's going to be very safe. It's no one else will be on track, and this is. But this, I mean, this must be like Tom Cruise wanting to fly planes. Like it must be something Brad Pitt is thinking. Well,
1: that, that's what that's what they were saying. They're taking kind of a a page from Top Gun Maverick as far as the way they have the camera set up. They have a like a 6K camera that they're going to be putting in the cockpit of the car um, to give you like an up-close, in-your-face look at what it's like to be a driver. Wow. Um, and Hamilton is giving a lot of insight as far as the storyline and some of the action bits that are going to be going into the movie. So It should be, hopefully, a pretty good Formula 1 movie because we haven't been able to see for a while
0: and that's important too to have a guy like hamilton who's legitimate helping out and giving his point of view because anything we just finished watching we watched the wire i don't know if you've seen the wire but it was so real because they actually went into these neighborhoods in baltimore where they were going to be filming and talked to the people that were there they didn't just do focus groups or they didn't just like have a bunch of people from hollywood make it up and so that authenticity of really going in there. So having Lewis as part of the project, I think maybe will will kind of lend that credibility. It'll help it, a lot. Yeah, it'll feel more real. It'll feel the gritty exactly. stuff that they exactly. would want to polish over. Maybe they won't polish over so much. It'll be cool. Very cool. So what else you got for me heading into the weekend? You got any more thoughts on uh, Miami or...
1: Well, it's, it's nice to see Red Bull switching up their livery for the first time in years. It's nice that they gave their um, their design department a little bit of something to do. Yeah. Instead of, all right, do the same, just copy this design, put it on next year's car. No changes.
0: Is that what they do? They're known for very little. Uh... It,
1: oh, yeah. Well, if, if you look at their design since 2005, uh, I was, well, I would say since 2008, is when they really had like the this classic like almost like a dark bluish purple with the yellow nose, uh, the Red Bull obviously on the engine cover. Um, the last big change I think was in twenty eighteen when they went to a or no, it was twenty sixteen I think when they went to a really more um, like a matte finish on the car.
0: Right, right. But I'm in,
1: in order to save in order to save weight, but. It's really been basically the same design, except for a few special edition liveries.
0: Interesting. Interesting. I, I, I'm into it. I, the, Miami, the Miami colors, the whole, the fluorescence and all that oh, stuff. I love it. it. I think it looks great. It's uh, very familiar. Out here in uh, San Diego, the Padres have an alternate uniform that is the same type of thing. It's like the hot pink and hot green and all that. And I think it's just a cool... It's a cool scheme. I think it looks
1: fantastic. Yeah, very and what Rebel Rebel is saying that they're gonna have a, a special livery at each of the United States races, so I'm I'm excited to see what they're gonna be doing in Vegas because I think that'll be really <laughs> cool.
0: A big poker ship or something. Some kind of big uh... I I
1: I will say though, I really miss um, a lot of these cars having a glossy finish on the paint. You
0: like the gloss? I,
1: if you look I, I love the gloss like it, like if you look back at like 20 like a 2017 Ferrari it just looks so good.
0: That's interesting cuz the the cars do seem uh, much more muted and matte, matte finished and they're all a lot darker. If you go back and look the colors used to be a lot brighter. Now, we've talked about it before, but it's just getting that paint off the car and getting down to Yep. It's crazy. Getting the weight down.
1: Which which is which is another thing I actually want to touch on really quick is that one of the I read something online today where they were talking about ways they can improve the racing. And one of the biggest things that people are talking about is getting the cars to be smaller. Because if you watch any of the formula two racing from last weekend, they're much smaller cars, but they look so nimble and they're able to race side by side. Like where, where Russell went into Verstappen on lap one of the sprint, was it the sprint or was it the Grand Prix? I sprint. I think it was a sprint though, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but if you look at that, them going side by side through there, it looks so tight. Like, there's no extra space. But if you look at Formula 2 doing the same thing, you could park a bus in the amount of space that they have.
0: Really? That's but
1: because the, the cars are so much smaller and they look nimbler. And a lot of people have been saying, because these Formula One cars, they're not small anymore. They're they're massive.
0: And they, and they do seem a lot bigger. They're very long. Yeah.
1: And they, they don't look nimble. Like when they're going through some of the slower corners, they just look lethargic. Like you're trying to turn a bus around a hairpin. And I think that if they can get the weight. The, the biggest thing is it, they want to get the weight of the cars down but the way they get the weight of the cars down is you have to make them smaller but the problem with making them smaller is that you have so much of this technology with the um, mguh mpuk the power unit, the hybrid system all the battery stuff it takes up so much space but that's also why you have so much weight is
0: nice. all that
1: extra technology
0: interesting so, so I think
1: they're 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 doing away with Either the MGU-H or the MGU-K in 2026 20, is part of the new engine rules. So that should take some of the weight away. Um, I just... I don't know. I, I want these cars to be smaller. I think they look great now. But if you could make them a fraction smaller, I think they would look even better.
0: Well, it's really a good point. Because whenever you send me videos, I'm always struck with how, how much... Smaller and different the cars looked, even five, six years ago. And, you know, you sent me stuff from all different eras of racing, but I'm always kind of blown away with – they nimble is a really good word because they just seem like there was a time where, yeah.
1: They, I, look, they just look fast on a TV. Like, you don't have to uh, make it dramatic at all when you're doing the camera work. You, they just – they look fast.
0: Right, right. even.
1: Even going through a slower corner because they're so small and they don't, you know, every little movement is dramatic. Right. When a car is small like that, so I think that one of the biggest things that F one needs to do is make these cars smaller.
0: And that I might, love
1: the way they look, but they need to be smaller.
0: Yeah, and that that might, in turn, help help the racing a little bit, like we've been saying, because it does. It seem would like, absolutely help the racing. The racing does seem like it's. Um, it's not suffering, but it does seem like you know you tweak one thing here and you gain here, but then you lose there. And this year seems like we're losing on a lot of that close racing. That I remember last year when the season started, you were texting me like, "My, my God, did you see how close? Did you see how close they're following?" You know, and it was like really exciting stuff. And now maybe you get into the DRS zone and you can get close, but even with DRS wide open, a it's, lot of these cars—it's
1: just like how it was two years ago.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's uh.
1: Where the only passing that was really happening was in a DRS zone. There was the bigger cars; they don't leave room to have a creative pass because they're taking up so much space. They're so big and so heavy. You know, we have thousand horsepower cars, but it doesn't seem like it because they're just they're big.
0: Right, right. Although I will say, Fernando Alonso last week, I think it was turn six or turn seven, an unusual. He made a great move on the inside. Oh, it was a fantastic move. That was one of those where I went back and I watched it a couple times because if you blink, you don't realize that he just took your spot. You know, and that's, he's very creative.
1: He took advantage of what was going on in front of him. That's what I I love about Alonso is that he's been in the game so long. He understands the racing better than I think anybody on, on the track right now. And he's so good at finding those gaps and he knows that all right, this guy's gotta be careful about his teammate in the front. He's gonna be breaking a little bit earlier, so I'm gonna dive down the inside of him.
0: Right. Right. And he and he just yeah, he he's in such control and he's not afraid and he's not it's it's great. He's he's like having a renaissance this year. It's a lot of fun to fun to see. It's it's awesome. It's awesome. So I guess before we uh, before we wrap this up, I've gotta ask you the American team Gonna get some points this weekend in Miami. Can the has?
1: Oh, uh, I, I hope so. I they've been looking. They I wouldn't say they're looking strong in the midfield, but they're holding their own. Um,
0: right. Right.
1: I think that they're in a decent position in the midfield. I think that it would help if they can develop the car a little bit more. Um, but they're one of those smaller teams that you know. They don't have the kind of budget to be able to develop like some of the bigger teams do. It's tough. But I think you'll start to see them get a little bit better.
0: I'd love to see them just score. Just just get a couple points. Just get, you know, something. Oh, me too. I know a lot of my friends that have been tuning in and uh, getting into Formula 1, they naturally are Haas fans because they're, you know, the patriotic side of things. And I think they... I I know I've got a, a group of buddies that are having a big party this weekend, the first American Grand Prix of the year, and I know they're all rooting for Haas. And I just, in my heart, I'd love to see him get some points to give those guys a reason to to fire down a couple extra Budweisers on the weekend or something. You know, <laughs> it's like I can picture it. I mean, I don't know, I don't know. I, I root for him because you know my other teams are going in the wrong direction, and uh,
1: I, th- I think one of the I think one of the Biggest surprises with Haas is Hulkenberg is outperforming Magnussen.
0: Is that a surprise in your mind? Is that that's unusual?
1: Um, maybe not such a big surprise. I I know Hulkenberg has always been. He's always been regarded as one of the best drivers. He's just never really had a top seat. Um, he's not, never had a seat at a top team. He's been with Williams. He's been with Force India. Uh, who else? He's been with. I think he was with he filled in for racing point a couple of times during COVID. Um, he was with Renault up until 2018. And then that's when he, re- he does when he retired the first time and now they got him back. I, he's always been regarded as a great talent. He's just never really has had the equipment to show what he has.
0: Is it one of those timing things with him? He just never had the right place at the right time to get that seat. And, uh, Or was it always? It's
1: a mixture between that and his performances, too. I mean, he was never, I wouldn't say consistent, but he definitely showed that he had speed.
0: Interesting. Well, I'm rooting for him. Those two look like they could star in a buddy comedy. You know, those two look like two guys that could be. uh, (laughs) Which
1: is. Which which is funny because they they hated each other a few know, years ago. So that's what's so great about there's, it. There's a there's a, there's a great interview when I think one of them. I think Holgenberg took Magnuson, Magnuson out, and he Magnuson says something to him. I can't repeat it here. but it was a, it was so freaking funny when he walks by
0: him in the interview pen. And just snaps at him. Just, uh, oh
1: yeah. He, well, holkenberg comes in like gives him like a pat on the kind of the shoulder, like, <laughs> "Oh, like nice one, mate." And Magnuson comes back with something <laughs> freaking hilarious. Some
0: Choice words. <laughs> yeah, some choice words. Oh, that's funny. Well, we'll keep an eye on that this weekend. We'll see if those two are still getting along by the end of the weekend in Miami. We'll see if, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, hopefully, maybe maybe we'll be talking next week about. Sergio Perez with another win here in Miami, or uh, maybe maybe we'll be talking about Ferrari having a couple spots on the podium could be nice, you know. Things... Don't get my don't get my hopes up. I know it. I know it. I would just like, Merce- <laughs> you know, I'd like to see Mercedes finish. I, I know in FP two we just saw they finished like seventh and fifteenth or something, so it's not it's not good. Which
1: is which is weird because they were one and two in FP one, but this is why free practices are so wonky is you can't really go off of them because right you know mercedes one and two fp1 but were they doing race pace runs were they doing qualifying simulations like you you don't know what the fuel loads were the tire choices are different right it's it's a
0: smorgasbord it's crazy so well anyway we'll uh we got qualifying tomorrow we look forward to that and i'm sure we'll have much to talk about uh when we get back together next week sometime I think we will. And uh, I guess until then, uh, enjoy the Grand Prix, everybody, and we will talk to you next time. See you next time, guys. Well, we'll see if anyone made it all the way to the end of this and maybe they like this song better. I don't think Connor heard this one playing underneath him, but uh, thank you, as always, for tuning in to the F1 Funcast. Thank you for your support, your kind words, and um, for being there and for listening to us. And uh, I want to dedicate this episode to a good man, uh, my uh, my friend's good Uncle Donnie. The very friend we were just mentioning at the end of the podcast lost someone close to them, and uh, he was a good man, the type that always made you feel like he was your biggest fan, even if he hadn't met you. So that's what we believe in here at the F1 Funcast, and he was exactly that, so... This one's for Danny. We'll talk to you all next week.